Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the second season of Criminalia. This season, we're exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious stalkers throughout history. I'm Maria Tremarki. And I'm Holly Fry. And today, we are going to talk about a rather famous stalker in history, Lady Caroline Lamb, who stalked George Gordon Byron. You probably know him best as the poet Lord Byron. And Byron was born into an aristocratic and dysfunctional family in 1788. Mm -hmm. And he went on, of course, to become one of the most influential and celebrated poets of the Romantic movement, along with five other names that you will almost certainly recognize. William Blake, William Wordsworth, and Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who are often grouped in as the early part of that. And then with Byron, Percy Bysshe Shelley, and John Keats. But the sixth combined kind of make up the famous romantic movement. Yes, the the considered most influential. <laughs> um, the romantic movement was one that believed that our inner world gives us endless creative possibilities, as well as new ways of thinking and living. And 
Um, today, even Byron continues to be an icon in literature. You read him in high school, you read him in college. Some might argue that he was made famous by his autobiographical poem, Child Harold's Pilgrimage. Um, but others argue he's better known for his satirical poem, Don Juan. Most of us, though, probably know him from the iconic and beloved poem, She Walks in Beauty. I mean, everybody knows the first two lines of that. <laughs> but it wasn't just his poetry that garnered everyone's attention. It was also his great many sexual escapades. His passionately lived life made him kind of a rock star for his day. He was notoriously handsome, notorious for having many lovers, and many of them inspired his works. And one of these lovers was a wealthy aristocrat named Lady Caroline Lamb. Both she and Byron were part of the literary circle scene, and they first met at a society event in London in early 1812. And some reports kind of indicate that Byron was not really particularly fond of Caroline until they had spent a little bit of time together. Others suggest that she got together with him after she wrote him a fan letter regarding one of those works Maria just mentioned, Child Harold's Pilgrimage, and that in response to that letter, he visited her. And that might have also been motivated because she had a whole lot of money and a very high status in society. I believe he looked upon that in a very friendly way. <laughs> Listen, he was many things, but, you know, he was no fool. He knew how the latter worked. He did, and he knew that his aristocratic family was going down, not up. Uh, you know, so um, regardless of which of those stories happens to be true, the two did have an affair. And that was from March through August of 1812. Um, that was the year that Holly was talking about that they met. And the affair was really well publicized and it was really passionate. They were both in their 20s. Carolyn was 26 and Byron was 24. He called her Caro, which she used as her public nickname. It was for Byron whom it said she coined the phrase, and I'm quoting this, mad, bad, and dangerous to know. Uh, and it said that she coined it after she read Child Harold's Pilgrimage. Um, and that phrase actually became his lasting epitaph. I think everybody associates that with Lord Byron. I think so, too. Yeah. Right? I also love it when people reference that phrase and they don't know the Byron Caroline story at all. They're right? like, no, I just thought it was a cool phrase you used to describe people that were, you know, kind of jaunty players. I'm like, no, not Yes, but no. Right. Um, <laughs> yes, however. <laughs> There's context. Here's the thing. At the time of this affair, Caroline was married to William Lamb. William and Caroline's meeting and courtship had actually been orchestrated by William's mother. And the two were, we quote, mutually captivated by each other. So it seemed like they started out quite well. They married in 1805. That is the year that Caroline turned 19. That is also the year that William took on the title Lord Melbourne. So the Lambs had one child. Um, his name was George Augustus Frederick, and he was born in 1807. And they had him after they experienced a few miscarriages. Augustus, as they called him, he was born with mental health problems as well as epilepsy, and he required constant care. Most aristocratic families would have sent their relatives with any type of challenge, whether it was physical or mental, um, to an institution. They would not have kept them home. But William and Caroline cared for Augustus themselves until his death in 1836. 
Yeah, that is also one of those many cases we stumble across in history where the exact nature of his problems is not really clearly defined. It's not. And often you come across really outdated terminology. And it's really difficult to sort of discern, you know, do they mean that he was autistic? We don't know. As we're talking about all of this, if the name Lord Melbourne rings a bell for you, or if you know your Queen Victoria history... Like Holly does. (laughs) (laughs) That's the same guy. William was a senior statesman, and he also famously mentored Queen Victoria when she was very young to its own scandal and gossip. And during that same time, he, of course, became the husband unexpectedly involved in one of the most scandalous affairs of the 19th century. That summer, everyone, I think almost literally everyone, (laughs) uh, in their circle was talking about his wife's affair with the poet Lord Byron. So this actually wasn't even the first scandal that he had been through with his wife. Before Carolyn met Byron, she had had an affair with Sir Godfrey Webster, who was an English politician, but she confessed this affair to William. It wasn't nearly as public as her affair with Byron, and William forgave her. So it's worth noting here that William also is not necessarily like a saint of monogamy in any of this. It is very possible that he had affairs of his own throughout their marriage. Sources disagree on it, but it's entirely possible, as we said. Sources also disagree on whether or not William was inclined to what some people at the time would have considered more deviant sexual desires and behaviors. This is all personal, private stuff. So there's no real way to know what his preferences were or weren't. You can even ask questions as to whether or not that's our business or relevant. Exactly. But what we do know is that Caroline once wrote in a letter that, and we quote, he called me prudish, said I was straight laced. But whether or not her husband found her prudish, her reputation in London society was anything but. And Caroline's involvement with Lord Byron was very public knowledge as we've been saying this whole time. Yes. And the public found it shocking. We're going to take a quick break right now. And when we return, we're going to talk about things that aren't prudish or straight-laced. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. 
That's simply safe, S I M P L I S A F E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like simply safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Criminalia. We're going to talk about that affair, but first, we're going to go back and talk a little bit about Caroline's childhood. Yeah, so let's take a minute to get to know who Caroline was and how she grew up. So she was born um, on November 13th in 1785 into, as we've said earlier, uh, the aristocratic elite. So her life has actually been described as insular, inbred, and superficial. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, sorry, those are three words I just don't want my life to be described right. as. <laughs> Everything you want right. in your biography. Exactly. Right. But she herself, she was considered graceful and pretty, and she had reddish blonde hair and freckles across her cheeks. She was portrayed by one biographer as more like a fairy than a human being. Another biographer referred to her, and I'm going to quote on this, small, kittenish, 
ways of showing her affection with kisses that touched the cheek and tiny intimate caresses. And he continued that theme by saying that, quote, her mouth could spit venom as well as list endearments. And that part sure seems to be true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it was rumored, and by rumored, what we mean is that some modern historians do acknowledge this and believe it, others do not, that Caroline had grown up as a tomboy, considered being able to wash a dog a most satisfying accomplishment, and that she was unable to read or write until she was a teenager. However, we also know that most of this is probably just hearsay. Yeah. Not only was she very well educated at home with an extensive curriculum and a governess to ensure that she adhered to that curriculum, (laughs) she also attended elite schools in London. And so those characterizations that suggest that she was less than an ideal lady may have simply been born from idle gossip in response to what you might call her very free spirit. Right, exactly. Um, And sometimes things just catch on in the historical record. (laughs) Yeah, so you can't do anything about that. <laughs> um, while she was still a young adult, Carolyn began writing prose and poetry, and she also really enjoyed music and drama. She was interested in, and she got to be pretty good at sketching portraits. She spoke French and Italian fluently, and her knowledge of both Greek and Latin were at the very least passable. So not the uneducated fool that people may have wanted to paint her as at all. No, unless she was speaking in French to her dog as she washed him. I don't (laughs) (laughs) She might, but even so, still a different language. Exactly. (laughs) She also began writing, and she started doing this as a way to escape from her mental and emotional problems, which allegedly made her prone to temper tantrums and angry outbursts, something I don't have any knowledge of it all. No, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Never have a tantrum, ever. Uh, She was considered, we quote, volcanic, and later she was described by Byron as an exaggerated woman. Her behavior was unsurprisingly troublesome to her aristocratic family. She also experimented with sedatives such as laudanum, and eventually her parents hired a special governess just to look after her. So during her affair with Byron, Carolyn was also considered volcanic. Um, For instance, upon seeing him speaking, and this is just speaking, he wasn't getting handsy to another woman. Carolyn broke a glass in her hand because she was so upset. Uh, She often dressed up as a page boy so she could sneak in and gain access to Byron's rooms, which, spoiler alert, is a trick that she also tried after the affair ended. And that affair is said to have concluded rather abruptly. Byron basically cut it off and then quickly found new paramours to occupy his time. And when Byron ended the affair, that didn't end well for Caroline, unsurprisingly. Not only was she still super into him. There's no caps for that word super. Like, there's no big caps in the world for how super into him she right. was. <laughs> it's like billboard level. <laughs> but the thing is, her reputation in London society was also completely trashed. Yeah. So William took her to Ireland in an effort to put some distance between themselves and the affair and to sidestep the whole hotbed of gossip that never seemed to end. But distance really didn't change anything about Carolyn's interest and obsession with Byron. In fact, the two actually continued to correspond while she was away from home. But when Carolyn returned to London in 1813, Byron made it clear that he had no intention of continuing a romantic relationship with her. 
He said, quote, she is a good study for a couple of years at best when he was speaking to his longtime friend, Sir James Webster, uh, about his relationship with Caroline, which is kind of a callous jerk. Yeah, thing. that you're like, even if he said it like to his best friend, which one is eh, but two, like now we all know it. Like, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, Byron, he has his reputation. Byron adventured and womanized. And Caroline continued to send him letters while all of this was happening. Uh, he stopped responding to her correspondence, but she didn't give up. And it was two years after their affair ended, and she was still writing to him. And, and I can quote from one of her letters, which goes, I loved you as no woman ever could love because I'm not like them, but more like a beast who sees no crime in loving and following its master. You became such to me master of my soul more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, very kind of, a you know. Very tepid, sort of. Um, After two years. I mean, my goodness. With getting no reply. And this is just with letters. Just with letters. Yeah. So while we consider all of that, we are going to pause and have a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk about all of the different ways that Caroline stalked Lord Byron. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Welcome back to Criminalia. Letters, it turns out, weren't actually the only way that Carolyn tried to get Byron's attention. Right, we talked before about all of the various things she did, so (laughs) in a creative sense, so she kind of turned that same creative energy to this. While she was writing him all of these love letters, she was also bad-mouthing him to everyone. Did you have ears? You were going to hear it. Um, When she was caught sneaking into his house, she threatened to kill herself with a knife. She burned his effigies, gifts, and copies of his letters in a bonfire while having a group of local kids recite a poem that she had written about him. Deep ritualistic situation going on there. Wow, right? Just got to move on from that. (laughs) Right. Enterprising, but yes, that is a true story. And if you're not already thinking about the 80s movie Fatal Attraction, uh, well, she also allegedly, and this is rather lewd. Yes, take a pause for this one. (laughs) She sent him clippings of her pubic hair. Yeah, and it continues. All right, that that didn't end with pubic hair. Also, I never thought I'd be discussing that on the stalker show. (laughs) However, here we are. Uh, Another time uh, when she was unable to gain access to his home, she wrote the words, remember me on a blank page in one of Byron's books. He did respond to that, uh, but not how she had hoped. In fact, he wrote what you could consider a hate poem to her, which I have a little snippet of. This stanza went like this. Remember thee? I doubt it not. Thy husband too shall think of thee. By neither shalt thou be forgot. Thou false to him. Thou fiend to me. Hate poem. Hate poem. Caroline had also become really good at impersonating Byron's work. Which is really creepy to me. (laughs) Yeah. This included his handwriting. So she was signing his name to work that she was writing. And on top of impersonating him as a poet, she also wrote letters in his style. One interesting little fact that was uncovered about her letters is that she sent one as Byron to Byron's publisher. So at that point, it's beyond creepy and messing with someone's livelihood. And in that letter, she actually deceived the publisher into sending her a portrait of him. Right. Because that's what she needed, a portrait of Byron at this point in her life. Because her obsession just continued. So when Byron publicly badmouthed her at a ball, she smashed a wine glass and tried to cut her wrists. To which Byron reacted by describing her act as nothing more than theater and commenting, quote, Lady Carolyn performed the dagger scene in reference to the Shakespeare play Macbeth. Callous. Um, (laughs) Nobody is doing it right at this point, right? No, this is a train wreck. (laughs) Caroline plunged into a depression after this and started to drink a great deal as a way to cope with her heartbreak. She also at this time wrote a book, Glenarvan, which was a satire that was released in 1816, only a few weeks after Byron's permanent departure from England. 
That book was published anonymously, but the intimate details of her romance with Byron, details about her husband, and scathing commentary about other aristocrats made it absolutely easy to guess who had written that particular piece of literature. If she needed any more gossip about herself, (laughs) this book did it. Everybody knew that she wrote this book. I'm not sure she was welcome in any of her circles at this point. Byron responded to the novel, which he he actually did read it. And he said, and we quote, I read Glenarvan by Caro Lamb. Goddamn. And when he wrote his famous poem, Don Juan, it was published about three years after Carolyn's book. He he actually included some passages that alluded to her. And one line really can't be mistaken. He wrote, some play the devil and then write a novel. Carolyn replied to Byron's taunts with her own poem, which was titled A New Canto. But Byron never responded to it. And actually, historians believe it is because he likely never even read it. And... Most critics, to be honest, uh, or many of them at the time, considered Carolyn's book to be, and this is harsh, (laughs) unreadable pulp fiction. Uh, It was so controversial that her in-laws tried to have it banned from further publication. Uh, They were unsuccessful. They also tried to have her diagnosed as, we quote, because this was a term at the time, certified insane. Again, unsuccessful. Embarrassed and disgraced by his wife's indiscretions, William decided that it would be best for the pair to separate. But uh, at the end of the day, neither of them went through with that. Really, like to make very clear, this would be like a very high profile politician today having a spouse very publicly having affairs, but then also very publicly obsessing over someone. Yes. Like picture someone Married to a politician, having had an affair with a famous actor, that actor takes off, moves on with his life, and that person continues to publicly obsess over them. For years. Wildly embarrassing, particularly in Victorian England. I believe actually through a lot of their marriage, they weren't actually living together. I might be wrong on that, but it seems like he would travel a lot and live in different places because of his various roles in in politics. So, um, you know, there's there's that too, you know, we're never together, so why bother actually going through the divorce. (laughs) Right. And Caroline died four years later on January 25th, 1828 in London. She had, as we said, taken to drinking very heavily. Apparently, she favored Sherry, if you believe reports. And it is said that her death at a mere age 42 was accelerated by alcohol and laudanum use. William, who at this point was chief secretary for Ireland, traveled to be at her bedside. So during the time that she lived in, Carolyn's behavior might not have actually been called stalking. The behavior was there, but the terminology necessarily wasn't. Um, But what she was doing, she was absolutely engaging in stalking behavior. She was not only persistent, she was confusing reality with fantasy. And these are things we know that can happen when someone is stalking. Some have written of her that uh, she was behaving as though she were And this was a quote that that I came across, the heroine of a melodrama. At one point, Byron remarked very similarly that she was, and I'm going to quote him here, uh, heated by novel reading, which made her fancy herself the heroine of romance and led her into all sorts of eccentricities. And Caroline's obsession with Lord Byron defined the last roughly 15 years of her life. But if you are aching to find a positive out of all of this turmoil... There needs to be one. Just one. (laughs) Just just one one minor one. (laughs) 
You could make the case that her behavior and this affair also influenced both her and Byron's writing. So if you enjoy Byron's work, know that some of that came out of going through this very strange affair and having this person never really get over him. But instead of being remembered in history as a serious writer and a poet, because remember, Carolyn did have her own literary talents, despite those scathing reviews of Glenarvan, and she wrote three more novels. And so the interesting twist here is that while she coined that phrase to describe Byron as mad, bad, and dangerous to know, it really is more appropriate probably for her. I agree. I completely agree. Uh, Are you projecting, Mrs. Lamb? <laughs> Are you feeling okay today, Caroline? Um, so for anybody who's familiar with Downton Abbey, this is definitely an appropriate moment to uh, remember the words of the Dowager Countess. The only poet peer I am familiar with is Lord Byron, and I presume we all know how that ended. <laughs> I'm sure we are all imagining Maggie Smith saying I that. know, right? <laughs> Lord Byron, the poet peer, likely died of malaria in Greece in 1824. He was only 36 years old. So before she passed, certainly. And another, you know, incidents of uh, life taken rather quickly. This isn't a super fun no, ending for this episode. This isn't a super fun episode. Like the the fun thing about it is if you remove yourself from, you know, knowing that there are actually real people who are involved in this, it sounds like a crazy Hollywood script. But it's not. It's real and she really did have these problems and Byron was not particularly kind and like this whole this whole script, the whole life that they had it doesn't seem like it was 15 years. It seems like it was an entire lifetime. Right. So, Holly, now that we've gone through Lady Lamb and Lord Byron, what would we toast them with if we were to have some sort of uh, drink in their... Uh, whew, yeah. <laughs> in their honor. Yes. So... As I was reading this, what I kept thinking was, I want a drink that feels very comforting mm -hmm. after all of this. As well, I mean, we have to acknowledge we are living in a very strange time. So a comfort cocktail sounded great to me for that reason <laughs> as well. Um, and so I came up with something called I Think I'm in Love, which is, you know, very, very much nice. about... Um, a, a person who is obsessed in this manner. They're not actually in real love. They are in obsession, but they think they're in love. But also my thing is that if you shared similar tastes to me when you sip this, you'll go, oh, I think I'm in love with this drink. <laughs> so it's super easy. It starts with hot chocolate. Oh, I'm actually really surprised by that. Dun dun. I know. So uh, I... Do your hot chocolate however you do it. If you like instant hot chocolate, go crazy. I like to make hot chocolate, you know, with cocoa powder and milk. That way mm -hmm. I can control the sweetness level myself. And sometimes I also throw a little vanilla extract in there to just make it a little warmer. I like to do that. Well, however you like your hot chocolate. You just want to start with a mug of hot chocolate. And then you add an ounce of brandy and two ounces of white chocolate liqueur. And it just makes a nice, warm cuddly cup of alcohol. <laughs> I wish that Carolyn had just stayed home and made that drink. <laughs> right? 
Although she had a drinking problem, so maybe not so much. Right. Well, that was, you know, she turned to it for Byron. So maybe if she'd stayed home with her hot chocolate, she would have been better. Right. A little boozy hot chocolate. I um, I know white chocolate is not for everybody. And white chocolate liqueur can be a, a turnoff for some people. If you don't, you could use regular chocolate liqueur. Um, like a milk chocolate liqueur or even a dark chocolate one. It'll just change the profile of it a little bit, but it would still work. And you can dial it down. For me, two ounces felt right. That might seem like a lot, but for something like that, that's a very heavy-ish mm-hmm. liqueur. You know, there's a lot of milkiness going on there and stuff. It doesn't seem like the same as if you had two ounces of like a heavier spirit. So that's what's up. Uh, I think I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> as much as you can be with a cup of hot chocolate. We would like to thank you for hanging with us and spending this time and hopefully enjoying our sometimes silly, this time a little depressing, walk through the criminals of history. And we hope that you will join us once again back here on Criminalia. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.